Hi and hello Watch fans and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighbourhood watchmaker Rob Nuts. Today I am joined by two representatives from the French brand Egide. We have Scott Montemiro and Henri Gaucher. How are you both, gentlemen? We are fine. Hello and thank you for the invitation. It's our pleasure to have you here, boys. Our pleasure to have you here entirely. There's been a lot of buzz around Egide for, well, quite some time ever since you guys burst onto the scene because you seem to have managed to overcome one of the main challenges that many small, young, independent brands have been tackling over the past years, and that is the idea of modularity and self-customization at home. It's something that's been in the consciousness of collectors for quite some time, but you seem to have cracked it. So, Enric, why don't you give us a bit of a background to the brand, how you came to establish Ajit, and exactly who you've worked with along the way. Watchmaking came to me, I think, during the year 2006. I was uh, working, I used to work for Louis Vuitton and for training, they uh, sent me to uh, to Switzerland and I discovered uh, those uh, small mechanics. I was already a, a, a car lover, mechanic lover. So it was, uh, it was a real crush. And uh, at that time I started to, to buy some cheap watches on the, on the eBay and uh, fix it and then mix it. And uh, this is why and how uh, the idea of Egypt came at this moment. And then uh, the, the passion was uh, too, too strong. So uh, uh, one time a, a young uh, jeweler bought uh, the, a big jewelry in, uh, in my town and he came to me to be the store manager. So uh, I, I said, yes, of course. And uh, it was the, the beginning of a uh, of, uh, uh, Beautiful career in uh, in watch retail. I used to work with big brands like Rolex, Omega, Panerai, all my dream watches. And uh, I used to work too with watchmakers inside the stores. And I learned a lot of things. So I spent eight years in Paris and Deauville in France, in Normandy, uh, doing that job. And when I saw that uh, the market was opening, uh, I said to myself, okay, why not us? Uh, we have an idea, we have a concept, uh, we have a new trend for new independent watchmakers. So uh, we launched the idea and uh, we work on it and uh, here we comes. Brilliant stuff. Yeah, it is definitely something unusual. Like I say, there have been brands that have tried it before, but nobody seemed to be able to make the idea stick. I guess you have a very up-close and personal knowledge of why it's so difficult to make this concept this this case capsule concept that can be flipped in and out of case sheaths as it were so reliable so what kind of problems did you encounter when you first conceived the idea for issued and then started to try to have it manufactured it's not so hard to make you know we are not the first to to do that omega did that with the uh, omega 2000 in the say in the 70s uh the the main fact was to uh, to make it possible without tools and skills and this is really what we wanted uh, for uh, for everybody you know it's a old dream to like you do it with your clothes every morning you you are making your own style i wanted to to uh, make it possible for uh, everybody and this is what took time uh, because it was really easy to put parts together but uh, make it uh, 
easy for everybody, strong, because we are making, you know, 3,000 watches. So uh, we make everything, almost everything in France and Switzerland. So uh, it's high quality watches and we had to, to find a system that lasts and that is really easy to use. And it took it took uh, uh, a little bit more than two years before the the first uh, watch on the market. I guess all things considered, that's actually a pretty fast turnaround, considering how different it is from the majority of watches out there at the moment. Now, let's just dig into those numbers for a second. You say you're making three thousand watches a year. Is that correct? No, uh, 3,000 euros watches. 3,000 euros, okay, okay. Yeah, this, this is a price range, you know. In a Egypt collection, a watch, so three elements start to uh, 2,500 euros, and I think the most expensive in the catalog with the, the, the three ex- more expensive uh, elements is uh, 3,450 euros. Okay, so that's quite a compact price range within the catalogue, at least less than a thousand euro delta between the bottom and the top. But are you represented around the world by retailers yet, or are you working directly from B to C? We just began recently distribution in the United States um, with uh, one of the top 10 elite retailers in the uh, North American region, which is Manfredi Jewels. Um, the, the interest right now is more than 20 new doors that are requesting Ajit, which is a very heartwarming situation for all of us uh, that we have really very quickly just through uh, a small, uh, you know, energetic team uh, to, to get the word out about the brand through social media and advertising that the requests are coming in. Uh, and it's actually on a daily basis that I receive personal messages um, we do have options currently to move into the UK, and uh, we have some very strong options to move into uh, Japan as well. So we're going to set out now throughout the Americas to uh, to open up the top tier retailers, keep it very, very compact, only the most elite retailers possible that will respect the brand and, and really take very good care of um of our heritage and our legacy moving forward. So you say you got 20-ish requests from top-end yes. retailers. Are they all US-based retailers at the moment you're talking about? Well, no, there's there's a couple of uh, retailers in the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so we have uh, requests through the US and Canada. These retailers are reaching out to you without any solicitation whatsoever. They're just coming to you and saying, Scott, we've seen Ajid, we've seen what you're doing. We'd like you in our portfolio. That is correct. I mean, that's an incredible position to be in because, as you know, I've worked in the retail side of things. And a lot of the time when you're trying to open a new brand in a new market, especially not a, a domestic brand, you know, this is a French brand opening in the US. Obviously, you've got a great reputation there. So that probably helps in that regard. But that's not easy to get that kind of interest. And you think you've done that because of your small, passionate team and your Instagram presence? It's many factors, Rob. Uh, one of them is we've been working at this to get the word out about the brand direct to the retailers uh, through email blasts, invitations to events, uh, you know, to come and see us at during Watches and Wonders Week, um, updating them on all of our very high volume of editorial. We're we're truly honored, uh, almost on a monthly basis, to have uh, editorial requests, and we're very very diligent about getting those. Um, new uh you know new editorial pieces 
out to the retailer so they can start reading and understanding about Ajid. Um, and yes, it also comes back to my ties, um, you know, throughout the Americas, uh, when they see an email come through from me, uh, certainly they know who I am. I've worked with them with several elite brands. Um, so it's, yes, I have the relationship, so it does make it a bit easier. Um, even, even globally, there are quite a few retailers that, uh, that know me quite well from previous brands. Incredible stuff. So of these 20 ish retailers in the States, UK and beyond, how many of them actually accepted your invitation to come and get the watches in their hands? And, and how did you think that actually affected their decision to approach you thereafter for representation? So we're at the phase right now where the door is open. Please come and show us the brand by request. The rest is really up to the brand at this point. Um, I've never failed to show Ajin to a collector or a retailer or someone who has no interest in timepieces at all and have this wow moment when you take that watch off your wrist and you immediately, instead of handing it to them, you demonstrate the Evol locking system on the back, which is pure genius. Um, when I drop a capsule, the movement, the crystal, the crown into somebody's hand and quickly take out another case design from my pocket and reinstall it. Everyone has a wow moment. Um, the retailers know what Ajit is now through a lot of, you know, a lot of hard work. Uh, they want to see it in their stores. And when it's by request, that means we're interested in having uh, the product in, in our boutique. They do not, at least in this region, they do not open those invitations easily. As you know, Rob, it's uh, it's very very complex relationships. Uh, when they request it, it's because they are interested in in having it in their uh, offering. Yeah, it is really interesting, and you're absolutely right. I do know from personal experience that it's not easy to do what you're describing. And I wonder, from a retailer's perspective, I guess you've spoken to some, but maybe not all, about their motivations for taking the brand. Is it because? Okay, so I'll throw a few options at you, and maybe it's a mixture of all of them, but I'd, I'd be interested in your opinion or, or feedback from retailers. I mean, as we know, a lot of independent retailers are losing major brands left, right, and center. We know that major group brands, especially, are pulling back and verticalizing or consolidating with their their bigger and their name brand retailers. We know that a lot of high-end independents are investing in their own stores. We know that's difficult for one thing. Is it, also, is it also maybe because they see potential in the product that either they like personally and they think, given their experience, it could have success, or because they have actually already received feedback from customers, blind feedback, saying, oh, you know what I wish we had? A brand that enabled us to do X, Y, Z, and Ajit is exactly that. What do you think it could be? It's an amalgam of all of those things. Um I can give it a perfect example. I reached out to a very prominent Los Angeles-based retailer recently, and the uh, the owner and CEO of this uh, this location could not say enough about Ajit and what he's heard about the brand and wants to see the product. Um, so this is coming in from his own research and social media. It's coming in from being sparked by customer request. Have you seen this particular watch? Um, also, I think it's it's challenging right now for 
some retailers to get the more uh, you know established big brands in their locations, and there's less um, supply of the product typically. And we offer something so unique and so different than any other product in their store that it's hard to deny um, the power of of something so French, artistic, unique. Um, the other thing is about Ajid, whenever we launch a new case design um, through uh, Enrique's hard work and also our, our brilliant artistic director, uh, Jerome, we have an option to bring somebody back into a retailer's store. There's something else that the retailer can speak to their customer about. It may only be for a case design that's $600 or $700. But it's like retaining the customer to come back in, say hello again, see more about Ajit, and really it brings them back in to see the the other brands and the other the other staff in their boutiques. Part of what makes us very very unique. That is interesting, actually. Yeah, that that necessity almost for repeat business, or at least uh, incentive for repeat business, being able to effectively change your watch entirely for what is almost like a subscription fee thereafter. So have you ever thought about doing that? Like having a subscription fee where you send people a new case every 12 months, just randomly, like a surprise one in the, in the post? It's a wonderful idea, Enrique. I... <laughs> no, this is not really the, the, the yeah. question. I, I, I yeah. wanted to complete what Scott said. Um, and and you, uh, Rob, said, uh, because there is a really new trend in the in the watch industry now. You're totally right that big brands are leaving the the, um, the authorized dealers, and uh, on the other end, there is the the trend of the of the independent watchmakers. Okay, but independent watchmakers mostly are, are very expensive, and a lot of retailers. Uh, we know it on the U.S. market, but we are starting to see it on the European market. Uh, are trying to find something independent, something original, something that can replace the brands are losing, but with uh, with a new spirit. And uh, this trend is uh, is becoming very solid at this time. Yeah, I think it's actually indicative of something that I've noticed happening specifically in Britain uh, amongst the British watchmakers, and this is largely facilitated there by the. Alliance of British Watch and Clockmakers, which has been firmly established by Roger Smith and Mike France of Christopher Ward, and amongst many others. They now have over 70 brands working together on this alliance. And what it seems to have done is galvanized the independent industry in a way that we've never seen before in watchmaking. And the independents are now almost operating, it's like a shoal of fish, you know, like a, they're a group themselves almost. They're strong because they're united and they understand that as the groups pull back from traditional brick and mortar mom and pop store retail and try and verticalize and consolidate their own efforts to benefit only them. The independents have to do the same. They have to stop fighting each other, have to work together. And it seems that this has opened up the possibility that in the near future, we will see all of those traditional retailers that used to have uh, Zenith and Omega and Bulgari and all of the the broad swath of brands that we expect to see next to one another in a retail store on the high street, they will become independent hotspots. They will become locales where people can go and experience true watchmaking rather than group watchmaking. And you might have hit the market at the perfect time to exploit that. 
I mean, I guess the feeling of optimism behind the scenes is, is quite, quite high, right? There is, you know, uh, a, a lot of sympathy from the from the people for from for this new scene, because uh, on every salon, you know, every year uh, we are doing parties <laughs> all all uh, together, and uh, it's like you know, it's like maybe not a big family, but it's like a, it's like a, a new, really a new trend, a very fresh. And I think a lot of people, a lot of customers want to be part of uh, of this new generation. And uh, yes, this is really new because during years, uh, big brands uh, have uh, settled the rules, and uh, now we are we are coming with something fresh. And I think people want to be part of it. Okay, I have a question for Scott in regards to that. If we're focusing on the retail through Scott, then I think this is one that he can answer. You talked about this retail in LA, so I'm racking my brains thinking from the very oblique way you described it, who it could be. Now, you may not want to mention them, but the one that popped to mind was Feldmar for some reason. Now, can you say whether that's right or wrong? I prefer not to at this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that's fine. I'm not going to push you any further. It's not really necessary because what it did was it sparked a thought in my mind because I've, I've visited quite a few of the LA retailers, the big ones, and there's quite a bit of differentiation in the way in which the products are presented within those stores. So let's take uh, let's take um, Feldmar and Bindi as two examples. Okay, so Feldmar is uh, a huge store, a massive destination boutique for watch fans in LA. They have I don't know how many brands, but I'm guessing it's forty or fifty. Scott, I don't know. You, you know the guys, I'm sure. So it's a lot. It's a lot. And when you go in there, you are confronted with. I, it's like a walking catalog, basically. It's it's like, do you remember at Christmas you used to get like the catalogs, like the mail order catalogs from in England? We had Argos or Toys R Us or Littlewoods or something like this, and it basically is a catalog full of everything you'd possibly want to buy in life. Feldmar is like the physical representation of that, and you have sales assistants sort of floating around, and several built-out shopping shops with dedicated sales assistants who will focus on those brands in particular. And they'll answer your questions. They'll get the watches out of the cabinet, so they'll let you try them on. It's like Bindi, for example. Bindi is a bit more of a traditional um, luxury boutique. You go in there, there's tables that you can sit down at, tables and chairs. There's fewer watches. There's more jewelry. There's a bit more of a sparkle to the whole thing. It's, it's less of a, I'd say, aficionado's place and more of a luxury experience destination now what suits ajid best is it somewhere where you are surrounded by basically every other watch brand going so there's a huge amount of context to the difference of what you offer or is it better to have a quieter slightly more paired back retailer that maybe has more focus on your brand and more time to explain it to the customer or do you see the value in both i definitely see the value in both I think what it really comes down to from my personal experience presenting the brand at retail, it comes down to the passion of the individual presenting it. Uh, if you approach Ajit and you just show one that's completely built, um, it, it's not the same impact if you take a pause, if the sales associate takes a pause, whether it's at a, a store like, you know, like Feldmar, as you mentioned, where they have a little bit of everything, or a sit-down store. It's in the approach. When you quickly demonstrate the watch with the right enthusiasm, and you say, this is not 
your standard watch. Wait, let me show you how fantastic this is. The client's eyes light up immediately. So it can be done in either environment very successfully. It's just a matter of finding, you know, who in a sales training, for instance, I always love to find the individual who asks the most questions when they get a new brand, shows the most enthusiasm and passion for the concept and the artistry of a gene. If you find that individual or individuals in a retail training, you immediately find your brand ambassadors within that boutique. So that could be in a small, quiet, elegant sit-down setting or you know, a bigger store where they have 30 or 40 brands. It comes down to the passion and the presentation and expressing the artistry um, that is is so, so beautifully done with Ajit. Those guys and girls on the ground that have the passion and have the feeling for the brand is absolutely invaluable. I still remember now, like five years since I actually worked with Fraser Hart, there was two guys, uh, one in the uh, one new chain store called Sam and one in White City called Newman, and they were just... They would they they should have been on the payroll for Nomos to be honest because every time I went there and I taught them something new they just soaked it up like sponges and then they were able to just regurgitate it to the to the clientele e- even better than I could with all the training I had from the brand directly and it's just so 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 valuable and you're absolutely right I'm sure you've got a great many ambassadors because of how different Ajit is and how easy it is to talk about and talking about how easy it is to talk about you mentioned earlier that you have a great deal of editorial representation throughout traditional watch media. And that's certainly true. I've seen it firsthand. I think I've even written one or two articles about the brands. And I'd like to know, candidly speaking, how much of that did you have to pay for and how much of it did people come to you and offer to write for free? Uh, that's that's a very interesting and uh, frequently asked question. Uh, we have not paid for any of it. You're, you're kidding. Come on. Seriously. You've not... No. Uh, my my colleagues uh, can back me up on that. I truly believe that our story is so interesting um, and so compelling and so unique that we've been approached by media outlets frequently to tell the story of, of Ajit um, because it is so different. It's not just uh, you know another timepiece. It's mechanical art. Um, you know, where we're giving the creativity back to the the consumer who purchases a timepiece, that's really, uh, without the use of tools, of course, there's a really incredible story to tell there. Um, so, no, we, we have not. And, uh, you know, I always use the word heartwarming. We put so much love into this brand as a, as a team of like-minded people that when we get a request... Um, from from so many top publications, both digital and print, you know, finding your name written up that you're the the brand to watch in 2023, unsolicited, uh, it's a wonderful it's a wonderful emotion for us. Well, I can imagine because from my personal experience, it's getting rarer and rarer that uh, media outlets are able to do that and it's really heartwarming is the word really heartwarming for us as well to hear that there are still people pursuing traditional watch journalism for the good of the watch consuming public because that's what we need we need unbiased opinions we need to have people out there seeking out what's new and what's exciting and then reporting it to the masses and i am very glad 
And thank you to you for creating stories that people want to write about without having their palm crossed with silver. Now, silver. I got I'm doing I'm doing all right with my segues today. I tell you, I'm, I'm trying a new interview in techniques today. I, I've moved over to using the new Zencaster phone app. So I have my phone in one hand. And for the, for the first time in a long time, I have a notebook next to me. So I'm actually writing down notes as we go through. Because it is fascinating to talk to you with so much information available about the development of a young brand. I misunderstood earlier what Onrik said about the 3,000 number. Now, I thought he was talking about volume. He was obviously talking about cost. But what are the kind of volumes we're talking about in terms of production here? We are talking about hundreds of uh, watch in a year. And uh, this is this is uh, all we have to uh, to develop now because, uh, as you understood, we have some retailers that want to to have agile, and uh, you know we are not industrials; we are artisans, and uh, we have we have to change a lot of things to uh, to to make the volume that permits to uh, to open a lot of uh, retailers. But as a formal retailer, uh, I think. We have to do it, and this is uh, for for example, we are uh, making a fundraising uh, right now to uh, to develop the brand, and uh, and this is uh, this is our goal. Our goal is to uh, to uh, from hundreds go to uh, two thousand, and to uh, not really to make uh, you know very important series, but uh, we want to make more series in a year. We are a mix between watches, very high quality watches, and uh, fashion. So we want to do uh, a lot of collection. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of uh, uh, design already uh, uh, set in you know, in you know, hard drives uh, that are ready to go to to the machines. And uh, we want to propose a lot of material for for clients. You know, uh, Egypt is not really. Uh, a brand uh, of watches. It's it's uh, Egypt stuff is is creative material for for the imagination of our clients. It's like yes, it's like pure styles, but uh, it lies all the all the life. So uh, so this is what we we don't want to lose our soul, and we want to go step by step. That's why. We are not going to make uh, 10,000 watches next year, even if we have a lot of money, but uh, we want to go step by step and uh, and uh, be sure that the, the message will be understood. Absolutely incredible to hear that there's a patient plan of development. Now, we probably should have done this at the top of the show, but let's just have a very, very clear walkthrough of exactly what it is you offer. So anyone that hasn't seen Ajit or doesn't understand the concept behind it, can picture what we're talking about. Scott, maybe try this one yourself. I'm sure you've done it a million times in training sessions. Of course, of course. So essentially what you have is uh, our displays are absolutely beautiful at point of retail. Uh, we're actually refreshing them now with uh, new creations from our artistic director, Jerome. Um, you have on display the capsules individually, watches already set up, uh, as a complete timepiece with a strap, and then the individual elements of the timepiece. So the capsule being the movement, the crystal, it you know looks basically like a watch without a design around it. And then you have the collection of the artistic designs 
of the cases that we have, whether it's the um, the Explorer or uh, the Mirage case that was the first design of our artistic director. And you bring together these elements before the uh, before the the customer uh, in the sales cycle. And it's a wonderful experience to play around uh, with the designs um, to create your own bespoke watch. But the interesting thing that we're starting to see more and more, and I think um, Henri can say from the boutique in Paris, um, you start to see a client not be able to choose just one case design. So they're usually between one or two different design elements and that's the concept, to be able to create your own personal wardrobe of watches. Um, I described it recently to somebody when they said, well, I was in a meeting with a, a major retailer, um, uh, and they saw the, the beautiful box that we present every Ajit creation in. Uh, it looks like a cigar humidor. It's exceptional. And I said, this is the block of marble that Michelangelo released the sculpture from. You open this box and your creativity is without any limits except for the collection within. And we find that uh, people love to choose one. There's always a primary design that everyone loves, but there's also one that's a close second to it. And the idea is have that person for not a lot of money have an add-on to that sale or a second strap. Then the follow-up really falls on uh, on us to partner with the retailer to to announce new designs, new finishes, and allow them to come back in, as I said earlier, and and fill that beautiful wardrobe box with uh, you know additional elements. What's really beautifully designed uh, by by Enrique is. Each element that you buy from from Ajid, whether it's a new strap, a new case design, or a new capsule, it comes in a pod. And I think you've seen this, Rob, uh, when we met in Switzerland, where the pod fits into the wardrobe box. So when you open this beautiful humidor-style box, um, you have all of your elements all lined up. And you can pick and choose whatever you're, you know, from a day at the office to an evening black tie to a weekend on your boat at the shore, uh, you're ready to go out the door with a, a whole wardrobe in your pocket. It, it's really an incredible um, an incredible gift that, that Enrique has given to the watch world. It's so art, you know, artistic. Um, the creativity is, is really boundless, but it's, it's handed over um, you know, to the, to the customer. Yeah, I have seen it and I am impressed by it. And I do think that it's something very, very novel to have brought to this level of refinement. I know this is a pretty basic question, but I feel compelled to ask, do you have a favorite case, both of you? I know Scott's answer. <laughs> yes. I, I absolutely love the, um, the expedition case. Uh, it's our square, uh, square case. It's very robust, very rugged looking. Um, and a second to that would be the Mirage, the Mirage design. And as far as the dials, you know, the capsules, honestly, I love all of them. Perhaps, um, 
the one that is so whimsical is the Colorama, where you can actually change the colored window at the top at the 12 o'clock position. I, I think it's exceptional. And you, Eric, what's yours? Uh, that's it. It's a very tough question, but uh, uh, I think I think I I cannot do anything else to to love the very first watch we released in uh, 2018, and uh, that we call the retro watch. So it's not case. Uh, the case is a is a vision case. It's a, a sporty one with the rotating bezel, but. Uh, Really, my favorite watch, but for very personal reasons, is the very first one that we release in brown because I did it for me. <laughs> and uh, you can imagine that uh, this kind of uh, this kind of adventure, this kind this kind of entreprise, it uh, we spend so many time to work on the plans or on the drawing on the 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 way we will make that watch that. When I made myself the first one, and this is the one I still uh, wearing almost every day, and this is the this is a watch is like a kid. Yeah, I, I'm sure you can understand that. But that's right. That every time we release a, a new shape, a new strap, you cannot do you cannot do anything else that to try it and keep it maybe 15 days or or, or one month. Because it changed everything. It ch- you have a new watch with uh, only a new uh, three thousand euros case, and it make a new watch. And uh, yes, every time we release something new, it's uh, it's a new burst first. I always assumed that the the beauty of the concept was that people would have one capsule with one dial, one movement, all within it, and then several case surrounds. What's the technical term for the case surround the sheath or the what do you call it? The, the, the carrure. 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 Yes. We call the capsule because this is like a, a space capsule, you know. It's waterproof. We have a, a sport watch uh, really uh, features because it's really waterproof with a screwed crown, a screwed tube, a screwed back. And uh, you can put it in any carrier you want to, to make the style you want. And then the bracelet that fits on every carrier, of course. Okay, so my assumption was that people would have one capsule and many carriers to put the capsule into. But do you find that it's a mixture? Like some people prefer to shift the dial throughout the single case shape or that they have a, a couple of each or maybe three of one and two of the other? How do you find the division tends to go? There's no rule. Uh, you know, we, we have uh, a lot of clients that uh, buy every new capsule that, uh, that comes because they want to change the, the dial. Uh, and uh, uh, f- for example, uh, last year we released the Celeste watch. Uh, maybe you know it. The Celeste is a collaboration with our very good friend Hervé Manufacturier. And it's a very special design, uh, that watch, because it's, it looks like, you know, a, a 70s spaceship. This is uh, the the universe that they work on, and uh, even that watch. This is the only watch that we sell completely. We we don't want to split it uh, on the sale because you you are not going to take a Picasso paint and mix it with a Dali and uh, sell it like this. So this is the only watch that we sell complete. But even that one, uh, our customer tried 
new things, new mix. And this is this is what we want. Uh, this is not... Uh, some people have only the CLS because of the design, but some other want to create and create and create again. So every time we offer them a new material, if they like, they buy. If they don't like, they don't take it. And uh, they do... I, I like to, to talk about mechanical DNA because the box uh, that Scott talked about is a box that you can give to your son and this, your son can give it to, you, to, to his uh, grandson. And inside that box, you will find so many designs. Not only, uh, you know, a 70 watch design that it's too small for his period or something like this. You can create and create and create again. And this is the romantic vision that we have for that brand. We want to make material for every generation. And this, this is also why we choose to work in that uh, kind of uh, process of watchmaking, you know, working with French uh, machining, with Swiss movement. We wanted the quality that lasts uh, for the next generation. This is, everybody will say that, but uh, this, this is my romantic view of, uh, of watchmaking. No, I understand that entirely. I mean, personally, I would never want to be involved in a brand that was started just to capitalize on a trend or a passing fad and make a bit of money and then disappear. Building a brand is a massive responsibility, a huge undertaking, but I think it's the most rewarding path to follow in watchmaking. But to get there, of course, you do need to increase to a certain amount the number of watches that you make. And you mentioned the numbers currently are around 100 pieces and you have a goal to eventually produce a thousand pieces annually how long do you think it's going to take you to get there do you have a, a set time frame that you're, you're aiming towards or are you going to take it year by year we'll see uh we'll see you know in uh in any enterprise in any startup uh you do with uh, what you have okay so uh, for now uh we expect to uh to produce uh, 2,000 watches in five years. Not, uh, not a total of 2,000 watches, but in, five, in uh, year five, we want to produce 2,000 watches. Okay, that's quite a, quite a steep climb, to be honest. I mean, that, that requires a massive expansion of presence and representation, but I suppose also the building out of this retailer network that, Scott, you were talking about. Now, obviously, the US is a market that is very experimental i think uh, quite willing to take a risk on their new watches i've noticed this from working with arcanaut the vast majority of our customers come from the states because they well love novelty and they love experimental design but where else do you identify as key markets you said there was a little bit of interest in the uk and a bit in japan but do you think that the middle east will be a big market for you do you think you want to go further into china or anywhere like that uh, so I don't really envision the U.S. market being the great risk takers that um, that you had mentioned. I, I think they're very, very careful about what they select for their their offerings, uh, but it has to be unique. And yes, we're having a moment where independent brands are at the forefront of their thought process to add uh, to their collections to offer to their clientele. Uh, as far as other markets, I think we have a very strong interest actually in the UK, um, and we're we're having some conversations now to 
to expand upon that, which is very exciting for us. As far as other markets, without question, uh, Japan is um, seemingly a uh, a market that is um, they love the the artistic uh, interpretation of a watch through through French artistry and design. Uh, so we're we're starting to get a lot of positive feedback, even from journalists and um, podcasters from that market and other executives within um, within the Japanese market. As far as the Middle East, yes, absolutely. Uh, there's no question that there's going to be a strong market for us there as well. China is, you know, the complexities of moving into the Chinese market. Um, you know, I'd really prefer to have somebody later on. I think that is uh, directly working with Xi to manage that. But uh, we have too many other options, you know, in front of us initially. Like Enrique said earlier, a very methodical, strategic, step-by-step, um, uh, you know, plan. Uh, as far as the, um, just a little bit of a correction, though, it's beyond 100 timepieces, Rob. It's actually hundreds of timepieces being produced currently. So um, not just simply 100 units. Otherwise, we, we wouldn't be able to have, you know, a strategy that's this ambitious. So, um I think the key market for for me is going to be, without question, the U.S., um, followed by the Canadian market, which is somewhat limited. Uh, you know, there are only so many key cities um, that I'm really targeting. But uh, once that is fully established, there is no question that it will start to spider out to other to other countries as well. Very good. And thanks for that correction, because I did wonder if we're talking 100, 200, 700, 900, you know, I mean, there's a big scope there. I mean, I guess you're saying it's it's hundreds, so we're talking more than two, less than five. Ballpark? I would say say under a thousand units. Okay. All right. Okay. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thanks for the question. Fair to say, Enrique? No, no, no. Uh, we don't like to 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 speak about that. And it's, of course, you don't. That's why I'm asking you. It's my job. <laughs> you know, it, it it doesn't mean it doesn't mean we 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 speak. Well, it's more than if you want a, a a better number. We produce and sell more than three hundred capsule last year. Last year. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay, but we 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 also sell almost one thousand uh, carrure and uh, almost one thousand and five hundred uh, bracelets. Very good. Okay, thank you. I I do appreciate that. That's interesting, of course, because your numbers are very different in the way that they're scattered around um, from other brands because you have so many more elements of the watch to sell and can be sold separately. Um, so moving on to my next question you mentioned that you did a special edition last year and this was obviously very well received by the media because it was extremely striking it was unlike anything else that any other brand is really making in 2023 and it made me wonder is there scope as you do expand around the world with retailers to do special editions with retailers or with media outlets but not in the traditional sense that many brands have done because of course you could either do one or the other you could simply have a special edition capsule with say Hadinki and a special ed- edition career with 
say Feldmar, for example. So you can, you can really mix up what you do. Are there thoughts to do that yet? The wonderful part about Ajid is the artistry that we have with our artistic director. Uh, we're small enough and nimble enough, yet uh, have the creative energy behind us to be able to create bespoke projects. Uh, in fact, we're we're working on a little secret project right now for some meetings that are going to take place very soon, because we're already thinking with um, with the uh, the work of uh, Enrique to um, to present very very bespoke collections. Yes, if if Feldmar, for instance, or Manfredi Jewels, or any other retailer, Le Samaritan in Paris. If anyone wanted to do a very bespoke collection or what we like to refer to internally as our icons collection, but in new materials, new dial colors, perhaps a special logo or an icon on the dial, we have the ability to do that, um, which really sets us apart. Uh, We can do this in a manner that is fluid, uh, creative would absolutely involve the uh, the retailer who is asking for such a bespoke project, but uh, it's also part of the fun of being a Gide. It's uh, we use the word artistry uh, quite often in this discussion, but it's really at the point where we can take this to the height of any art form, uh, from aesthetics to materials to shapes, uh, colors. Uh, we can do this quite easily, and actually, we encourage it. I find it quite interesting what you said about you not seeing the U.S. as this uh, risk-taking nation, because I used to agree with that entirely. When I first started my retail career in the, in the U.K., I found it to be extremely conservative, very brand-driven, very old-school. They wanted the reputation, they wanted the status, and they weren't really willing to take a chance on smaller new brands, especially things coming out of the European continent. And I used to think that the US was kind of the same, but bigger. But then I realized, and I think you touched upon the slight wrinkle of difference between those two nations, the independent side of things is much bigger in the US because I think there are simply more watch fans. And I think there are people that are getting a bit tired of the same old, same old. So I guess that you do have like huge potential there. I really just, I I could just see so many creative ideas coming out of the States being such a diverse nation as it is. Do you think that you're better suited to the Northeast or the Southwest or maybe another region in the U.S.? You know, it's interesting. It's a it's a great question, um, and I I can add a little bit of clarity to my opinion on the market. We are, um, I think, the independents are really coming to their own. Uh, you know, thanks to a lot of other more uh, more common brands that we can we can certainly name, but. Um, It's been a region globally for very traditional brands where the retailers wanted the easier tried and true, Um, but now some of those watches are very difficult to get. So yes, there is a level of of, uh, risk-taking, as you you say, um, to to bring in the independent watch brands. But um, as far as the regions within the United States, I am overwhelmed with um, with uh, the 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 retailers from the Midwest, West Coast, very odd areas uh, that I would not expect who have actually reached out even through and and Henri can tell you lately the number of uh, people trying to link with me through Instagram, seeing some of my posts 
um, again, I use the word heartwarming because they're coming from states that I really didn't expect. Everybody always expects to see New York, Boston, the Hamptons, um, Miami, Fort Lauderdale, uh, LA, but they they start to forget about some really affluent cities uh, that are very sophisticated in their watch collecting throughout the Southeast, the Midwest, the heartland of, of the United States. Um, I've met some incredible uh, collectors from places that would be essentially considered rural, and yet their knowledge and sophistication in collecting timepieces is uh, is as high level as you would find a New York collector or a top collector in, say, Miami or Los Angeles. That is fascinating, actually. What what kind of sizes do the do the Azid watches run to? I mean, I guess that you have a few different options once you pair the different capsules with different covers. But what kind of diameters and thicknesses are we talking about? With the current collection, we have a, a capsule that measures uh, uh, 34 millimeters uh, of diameter. And with that capsule, we can adapt some uh, carrier from uh, 38 millimeters to 42 millimeters for, for the expedition carrier, for example, the, the wide one. So this is the regular sizes that we can, uh, we can put on, the, on, the, on this capsule. But in your plans, of course, uh, we are going to, uh, to release a new size, a smaller size, uh, for uh, maybe uh, you know uh, women's and uh, uh, small waist uh, and um, because 38 millimeters is quite small for men but it's quite big for uh, some women so we want to uh, to have watches for everybody and every kind then this is why we want to release one smaller size and one bigger than to uh make chronographs for example this is something that we can't do uh, with uh, with the current size the regular size and of course we expect to to make some complication one day you know so we need uh, big cases big capsule to to put everything we want inside uh, but uh, the first step after the the regular collection will be the smaller size for for small wrist very smart indeed yeah i can see why that would start to appeal to even more regions as well. Because Scott, it was interesting you mentioned the Midwest because I was recently there chatting to some guys in Chicago and they surprised me with um, their testimony of what it was that their buyers were most interested in. And it was smaller sizes, thinner sizes, something more versatile, stepping away from like the big bulky watches of maybe 10 or 15 years ago, perhaps unsurprisingly, but I expected in somewhere like Chicago to see more size on the wrist. But I guess that the uh, the trends are telling and that kind of area and also maybe the northwest i don't know seattle if you've had any interest there that's a market i know basically nothing about but i could see them being quite popular in that region also yeah so chicago is a very sophisticated um timepiece collecting market there are some retailers that uh, really have done an exceptional job of course everything is taste specific uh we can't uh, we can't imagine that everybody's going to want to wear a 42 millimeter watch. So that's why we have, you know, down to 38 millimeters and up. But uh, surprisingly, uh, the Midwest is very sophisticated with all different brands. A lot of independent brands um, are becoming these, you know, rising stars in, in these areas. Yes, um, 
Seattle, Pacific Northwest, there is some interest, although slower to come on board. But there are some really key retailers in the Pacific Northwest that uh, would be exceptional business partners of a brand like Ajit. Good to hear that Ajit is well-placed to exploit a market like Chicago that has those those high-level tastes. Now, Eric, one last question for you before we wrap it up. If our listeners want to go and check out the products in the metal, where can they do so? What is the address of the boutique in Paris and what times are you open? The address of the boutique is the 8 Rue Volnay. Uh, in the center of Paris, it's very easy to, to find because we are very, uh, we are just at the middle uh, between uh, the Place Vendôme and the Boucher store. So <laughs> we are 100 meters from each. <laughs> so uh, we are on the path of uh, every watch enthusiast in Paris. Uh, so we are easy to, uh, you can find the exact address, of course, on the website. And uh, we are easy to find because we we have beautiful beautiful uh, boutique. Uh, the boutique was made by Hervé Manufacturier, the the old friends who are artist friends. We 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 made the Celeste watch, and uh, we have a very very special universe that we are very proud of. And uh, I invite I invite everybody that come in Paris to uh, to come to see us. Uh, the boutique is open. Uh, let's say that we are the 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 Hegit band because I used to say that we are like a rock band, you know. But if you want to meet us, come in the afternoon. Not because we we are a rock band, like uh, we don't wake up early, but because uh, generally we uh, we set all the um, appointments at, outside in the in in the morning. And then we uh, we eat together and uh, and we we spend some time at the boutique in the afternoon. So uh, don't hesitate to uh, to let a message on the website before, and uh, you will see really amazing thing because uh, at the boutique we can present the project we are working on. We still have Celeste watches that is really important. This collection is uh, is crazy. It, it it changed the vision of Egid all around the world. Uh, and uh, and uh, we can we can you know say not many but a few secrets about uh, about the future of Asian if you come to see us in Paris. Well, there you go. I don't think you need any more of a reason to take a trip over to Paris and visit the team, visit the rock band in the afternoon, preferably, and have a nice time exploring those watches. Thank you very much, guys, for your time. I really appreciate it. If any of our listeners have questions. For the Ajit boys, then please get in touch with me directly. You can find me on Instagram at Rob Nuds, R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S. My regular co-host, Alan Ben-Joseph, is findable at A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H. Or you can contact us via our emails, either Rob or Alon at therealtime.show, or send us a message via the contact form on www.therealtime.show. If you would like to join our WhatsApp network and become part of the fastest growing community in the podcast world, then please do let us know and we can add you in there straight away. Until next time, stay safe and keep on ticking.